So we thought we'd like to start the new year, 2024, with a, an idea that we've been thinking about for a couple of weeks. And this idea is inspired by a YouTube channel, which goes by the name of Logos Made Flesh. There's this guy, Matt Miller, who actually passed away. Uh, I'm not sure when, but basically trying to offer Christian philosophical perspectives on film. And so we watch a lot of movies here in Rome, and we thought it'd be interesting to, yeah, give brief outtakes on what are some themes that we thought were interesting in the movies that we watched, or at least what movies that we watched really offer the ability to talk about bigger and deeper themes. And we thought this year, we, we just watched yesterday for New Year's, the new Hunger Games movie, <laughs> uh, which is... Uh, basically an origin story for the, the, the villain of the Hunger Games, Coralinius Snow. Cornelius. And we thought, yeah, it'd be interesting. It, it, it's a movie that offers a lot of philosophical perspectives. And so with that, we're going to have a podcast, which, yeah, we're not sure on with what regularity, but the idea is to cover generally three themes briefly five minutes each theme which we think uh shows the ability after one viewing to really just start conversations about film and showing the potential of film to spark good conversations anything else i think you've covered it i think you got it to... <laughs> so um the first theme we wanted to talk about was something that i saw after the fact uh, now the 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 main character snow basically starts his life trying to support his family. And he comes up against uh, the structures of evil that Panem offers, which is principally the Hunger Games. And he's asked to host uh, or mentor one of the tributes for the 10th annual Hunger Games, which is this girl um, from District 12, um, Lucy Gray. And I thought some of their conversations are very interesting uh, about the nature of man, the nature of the social contract, which is something I saw also that Susan Collins gave in an interview for the book, which I haven't read. I don't think anyone here has read the book, but from what we've heard, the book is is pretty similar to the movie. And, and Susan Collins was very explicit in that she read a lot of Hobbes, Locke, and Rousseau to talk about this movie. And so, yeah, what did you guys think about the social contract? Any ideas about the conversations about social about the nature of man, the the way man interacts with society. There were definitely themes of naturalism, of romanticism, which I think came across very strongly. Yeah, maybe one thing that stuck out stood out to me is the Hobbesian worldview. Hobbes is famous for in his Leviathan, he describes human nature as saying life is what is the famous phrase uh short short brutal and nasty or something to that effect and i think that uh, that worldview is played out in the hunger games um their lives the those of the district and of those guys in the city are brutal nasty and short right we see um humans living in zoos we see uh, children killing children uh, for the entertainment of others, the modern, the uh, kind of dystopian gladiatorial combat. And in a way, the, at the end of the movie, 
a one conclusion from Cornelius Snow is we are we we need the Hunger Games to remind ourselves of the world we live in, that this life is nasty, brutal, and short. Mm-hmm. And that is, we can talk about later whether the, the movie is recommending that worldview, but at the very least, it represents the worldview to us as a mirror. Yeah, I think one interesting thing is that, you know, from, from my studies of, uh, of these enlightened thinkers, right, uh, there seems like, it seems like as a consequence of the Hobbesian sort of state of nature, um, they say, all right, we, we come together and we form this social contract where we sort of agree to disagree and we agree to give up certain rights, right, in order to, um, to make society work. And a lot of people think of that as the foundation of, quote unquote, democracy, right? But I don't know. It seems like Susan Collins in this movie is saying that, well, all of that is myth. At the end of the day, right? Uh, it's not really about the. Mo- it's about you know, like it's about power. It's mm-hmm. about the Leviathan, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the you know, like who can manipulate the system, yeah, um, the best. So, state of nature really never never ends. I think in her view, mm-hmm. yeah, Lucy Gray is very, I think, explicitly Rousseauian. Uh, and kind of showing the uh, like the Rous- the Rousseauian perspective, like man is naturally good at his core, and especially society kind of imposes evil on man, and so we need to escape mm-hmm. society. We need to escape into the wild, mm-hmm. which eventually she does, uh, and Snow uh, eventually chooses not to follow her. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think also though, and then there's the I think the the lock kind of middle ground, you could say. So like Hobbes, man is fundamentally evil, which I think the Hunger Games. Uh, the uh what's her name the the head game maker um volumnia gray yeah volumnia yeah who basically take basically takes snow under her wing in the end and snow kind of fully adopts her worldview is very explicitly like man yeah we need to remind ourselves of who we are that's why the hunger games exist while as uh gray is very much no we need to escape society and run away from this and i think the middle ground is her is, is snow's best friend who ends up betraying who basically takes the locking perspective, like we need a social contract, which, uh, which will protect us from excesses. Right. And, and so he, he kind of sees the value of society and order, but he also has this pity for man, um, and wants to protect the, the values of the, the citizens, uh, from the districts, which he comes from. And, and so he sees that there needs to be a real, a limit on government's overreach, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And so he has this distrust of, of government, but he also, I think, sees man as um, as good. Mm-hmm. But speaking of trust. Speaking of trust, yeah, maybe you, uh, the next theme, um, I think that the movie raises uh, in a very interesting mode is the theme of confidence and trust in relationships, both between man and man, man and woman, and then man with their government. Mm-hmm. So the movie, um, th- this clearly comes out in the Hunger Games itself, where children, when put into a, a an arena where they're starving, will go return to this animalistic state. And that's highlighted by the fact when Cornelius Snow re-enters the arena from his elite comfortable chair, he joins the games and he kills someone. And the scientist, reflecting on that moment, points out, hey, 
when you went to the Heidegger games, you returned to this state of, of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that is telling about the, this, the, the, so, the social contract that we've constructed. So, um, okay. N- the n- next point is at the very end of the movie, um, lady, um, Lucy Gray points out that for her trust is everything. And that if there's anyone in the, in the world that you can trust, it's me. Mm-hmm. But at the very end of the movie, that relationship does not flourish. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the friendship between Cornelius Snow and his best friend. That friendship does not flourish. And we are living in a world view and a human nature or with an, an understanding of human nature where friendships and romances cannot flourish. There's a fundamental problem between in this society where relationships are impossible. And what is what is the underlying understanding of human nature? I think it's this Rousseauian ego egoism. Mm-hmm. This ultimately, I'm I'm in love with myself. Maybe in a pure, you might even say in like a pure way. But ultimately, the other is uh, is an enemy. That's right. There's a, there's a sense of we're all individuals. We're all autonomous here, right? And I'm not here for the other. I'm here for myself. And, you know, I, I think Lucy Gray says more important to me than love. I think she says more than love yeah, yeah. is trust, right? Almost as if, hey, insofar as I can use you for my ends, right? We're good. We can, we can keep doing, doing our thing. But as soon as I see that our relationship is no more conducive to that, as soon as I see that you are a threat to my goals, mm-hmm. right, that I can't trust you anymore, then then we're we're breaking apart. Mm-hmm. And I think she runs away as soon as she saw that there was a chance that he could go back to to the capital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly all, all, all trust kind of breaks loose. Because it seems to me like Susan Collins wants to say that there needs to be some sort of deeper foundation to trust. That's right. That's not present in the movie. That is not in this. And the thing is, the conclusion of Cornelius Snow and the purpose of the games is we 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 need the games to remind ourselves on that we live in a Hunger Games. So there is the the arena of the Hunger Games, this like controlled arena of children fighting, and then there's the whole worldview of or, you know, the whole myth of the Hunger Games, that is, we are living in the Hunger Games. Everyone is out for themselves. And the only reason why you might be with someone else is because you're in a temporary alliance. Mm-hmm. And that trust is founded on the self-interest. Yeah. And, but even very, still... Very like, you know, uh, Ayn Rand, very Nietzschean. <laughs> uh, all, yeah, I mean... I think there are lots of themes right. <laughs> from them in, in this movie. Although I think, I think she's critical. I think Susan Collins is critical of that worldview. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that also, like Snow, you see right in the beginning of the movie, he's talking with the other students uh, about, and, and they're talking about his friend Sajana Snow, who's like, who's coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. So he's entering, he's kind of entering the social contract, like very lucky and like choosing to mm-hmm. partake in society, but he clearly is seeing their abuses and wants to correct them. And immediately Snow's like, well, I Snow Snow I think has a real problem of sincerity of heart. He 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 constantly is conflicted. Mm-hmm. And I think there ends up being a real manipulation of the truth that he undergoes. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly 
presenting sincerity. So there's moments of sincerity with his friend, but ultimately at the, the very beginning of the movie, there's already a sense that he's not sincere because he tells the other students, oh no, I just tolerate, I just tolerate Sejanus. Mm-hmm. Even though Sejanus very clearly sees their friendship as mm-hmm. paramount for 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 him. Mm-hmm. Uh, end up, Snow ends up totally manipulating the, the relationship. And, 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 and that corruption bleeds into his relationship with Lucy Gray because there are moments where Lucy Gray is really offering can we uh, try, I need to trust you and you can trust me. And Snow says, yeah, I can trust you. But in the end, the Hunger Games, the whole relationship is manipulated from the beginning, right? There's this sense that uh, I want you to win, but do I want you to win because I want you to survive because I actually care for you or because I want you to win because this will help me. And he says both. Advance. He's actually kind of honest. And, and so like, he's torn. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the movie really shows uh, well why people can justify themselves on when, when they have con- con- conflicting interests. That's right. One, one criticism I heard of the movie is that they, a lot of people thought that uh, Snow was kind of a contradictory character, right? Where, you know, he, he'll betray his friends, but they're not quite sure why he's betraying them. And But, but I think that there is a sort of realistic portrayal of how we can lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. For example, he very much betrays his friend Sejanus. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, he wants to help him in that whole arms race affair. Mm-hmm. Right. But he had already sent the audio condemning his friend. Right. So it, like, why is that? And it seems to me like, well, maybe Snow doesn't quite know what he wants to do. Right. And then after his friend is killed, he goes back and he opens the case and he sees the picture of the two friends mm-hmm. and he shows real grief and he's there by himself. And I think the grief is sincere. Mm-hmm. And may, or maybe moving on to our final theme on structures of sin in society, I think it was very telling um, how the professor, the creator of the Hunger Games from the, 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 the brain uh, yeah, the brain, the brainchild of the Hunger Games is this, the professor, I forget his name right now. Yeah. But he, t- he says one purpose of the Hunger Games and the mentors who train up these uh, warriors is not to create survivors, but to create spectacles. I think it's a very interesting line in a society where you need, where you are creating a facade. The whole of Pan Am is a very superficial society of decadence, of, and it's kind of like snow covering uh, a, a grime, mm-hmm. right? And Coriolanus, it's like he has a nice facade, a nice shirt, but underneath he's a, he, he's very corrupted. That's right. Yeah. But there's the need to create spectacle. It's like the Lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a need to create spectacle, arouse wonder, for everyone to think that their society is at peace, but deep down beneath the snow, there is this battle of human nature that they're losing. Yeah, and there's he has the discussion right at the very end where, uh, with with this professor, who basically admits that uh, so Snow's father who 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 is dead, so Snow's parents are dead in the whole movie. I think that's also key. Is Snow Snow doesn't have uh, Snow doesn't have his parents there for to to guide him, uh, but he does end up committing the same sins as his father. So I think the one character that's really redeeming in the whole movie is um, his cousin. I think is fundamentally tells him, right? The, Tigress, right? Yeah, Tigress. Mm-hmm. She comes across, I think, as the one character that is is good fundamentally mm-hmm. uh, and, and is really trying to promote good and is trying to tell Snow to be good mm-hmm. and don't follow your father's path. I see, you know, the thing I remember the most about your father is the hatred in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then when we discover that in the end, Snow's father is the one that took 
the Hunger Games, which the guy, uh, the professor had had dreamt up in a drunken state, which also reminded me a lot of uh, kind of a, um, a, uh, a, what's it called? Uh, um, it'll come to me, but anyways, just like how the, the idea kind of happens on a whim and then Snow's father runs with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of creates this total structure of sin, which everyone is justifying and looking for ways to justify. Yeah. Uh, and, but in the end, it's totally, it's, it's totally superficial. But the neat thing is I think the, the, the movie, still shows us that sin is a choice, right? I mean, you're creating the structure that makes, that's conducive to sin, right? And it's a structure where the philosophy is, hey, human beings were evil anyways, right? Uh, we, we had this grime inside of us and push comes to shove, we're ready to kill and murder, you know, you know? but now you're creating situations where, yeah, like, you know, and, and initially just with the games, but then in the situation um, that uh, Coriolanus is placed in, right? Where you know you, you sort of see what's the name of the the the, the doctor? Uh, I can remember her name. Volumnius. Volumnia. Volumnia, right? Volumnia. In a sense, you, you see that she's running the whole show, mm-hmm. right? And she puts Coriolanus in a situation, mm-hmm. knowing that he's going to be at some point given an opportunity to either do evil and show his commitment to the capital. Right or love mm-hmm. and run away and no longer be president at the Capitol and and Coriolanus chooses to do evil. But then the, there's that whole conversation between Coriolanus and Lucy Gray as to whether or not like we're, we're, we're forced to evil, whether or not when we when we do evil, right? Like it's 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 and whether or not deep inside of us we're good. And Lucy Gray seems to think that deep down we're good, mm-hmm. but already in there you see Coriolanus. Not quite sure. Not quite mm-hmm. sure. And this, pe- I think it's this pessimism mm-hmm. yeah. that ultimately leads to his downfall. Yeah, and I, and I think also a justification, right? So even the, the even the sins he commits, there's always a justification. I, I did it to protect my friends. I did it to protect my family, to further our prospects because we have a difficult situation. I need to be the caregiver and the provider. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the end, there there isn't a real sense of the need to convert, right? To repent from your sins and to offer redemption through your, okay, maybe I committed sins, but I need to see how I need to redeem myself in, in my future actions. And maybe for, maybe just for concluding thoughts, just to, uh, each, each of us could give some concluding thoughts to finish, finish up here, but, um, the redemption, yeah, redemption and salvation in this world is almost not possible. There's no, there's, there's very little hope given in the movie, even though it's a strong critique of these modern philosophies and worldviews. And I think without any kind of outs- salvation that comes from without, you might end up as Volumnia, who mm-hmm. said, sees a world of sin and destruction and consigns to, the best thing I can do here is show a rainbow of destruction. I can just destroy it all in flame and fire. That is the response to the world of evil that I live in. And without anyone from with from outside of this structure of sin we as in christianity you might say a, a savior mm-hmm. then you might resort to nietzschean tactics of a uh, strong uh, manly nihilism of i'm just going to light the world on fire and hope the sin burns away with it and stand on my own uh, yeah yeah i think I'll, i also would saw bishop baron when he was still a priest hadn't yet been ordained a bishop 
about 10 years ago, Dave gave a review of the Hunger Games, which you can see on, on YouTube, where he brings up the, the theory of the scapegoat theory of Rene Girard as a way to kind of understand the, the ideas uh, behind the Hunger Games and behind this worldview, which is ultimately like society uh, is founded on violence. Uh, it has kind of this structure of sin by which it looks for scapegoats. Uh, and Christianity is really the one thing that breaks the mold, that shows the our our sinfulness and our way that we look for out we look we look for excuses we look for scapegoats by which we can kind of absolve ourselves of the sin um, and you see this in in all of the ancient societies right in Rome with the gladiator games in 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 the Aztec Empire with the sacrifices to the gods so and, and Baron talks about basically without Christianity it's interesting that the Hunger Games was in the future right the sense that without a Christian worldview, without any sense of redemption of, of uh, any sense of, of the divine, you can quickly descend back into these kind of structures of looking for scapegoats to remind us of who we truly are, which is, I think, something that really this movie captures well, this, this sense that without sin, uh, there is a real sense that society is built on a structure that needs to look for scapegoats. Yeah, and I'll just finish by saying... Yeah, I mean, I do think that in this in this movie itself, you don't really see a lot of uh, a lot of hope, apart from the fact that they're always pointing to, right, the the what follows, right, which is the trilogy, um, and the trilogy I think does show does show hope even just from the the you know, apart from the religious, just from the fictional uh, point of view, where you know one day Katniss will come. They say, isn't it too early for Katniss at one point, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where they're talking about the plant, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, no, I mean, like, we, we wish almost that Katniss was here already, right? Uh, but no, Katniss will come later. Um, and and with her, right, the, 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 the end. But the interesting thing from Katniss is that, you know, like, love is very much central to, to her whole motivation in the whole movie. Yeah. And the one character, there's one character in there, and I can't remember his name because it's been a while since I see that movie. Right, but the the male character, Peter, Peter, right, Peter, who decides to start using tactics that are sort of Snowian, yeah, right? and that breaks apart the relationship between him and Katniss. That he ends up li living the rest of his life sort of alone. Um, so I think that all of that is also a kind of important theme in the movie. There we go. So yeah, we we hope you enjoy this, and we will definitely be doing more of these in the future. But for now, uh, we'll see you next time.